Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Luke 7, 36 to 50. Our theme today is forgiven. And maybe you walked in here thinking, I'm not forgiven. God has a word for you. God has a word for you. And the word of the Lord reads in this manner. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at that table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with his tear, her tears. And she wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. He said, a creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. They could not pay it back he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she, hasn't, she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those that were at the table with them began to say among themselves, who is this man that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, and this is Jesus, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, we just come before you, Lord, thanking you for the word, Lord, thanking you for this teaching, my God. I hide myself behind your presence, Lord. Let your words flow, Lord. Let your words penetrate the hearts here in this place, my God. And what the enemy is trying to do, Lord Father, right now, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus because you have a word, Lord Father, this morning for your people, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
So before we dive into the next couple of uh, verses that we just read, we're going to go back and we're going to read it. So if you want to keep your phone open and if you're using the YouVersion app, there's a note section that you could open up and you could write your notes in there as well and save it on the app. It's something that I like to do when I'm sitting there. So before we get into and break this down, I want to give you some context here. Before this happened, Jesus was performing some amazing miracles going from town to town in Galilee. One of these miracles was where a man with leprosy fell face down and begged Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. In Luke 5, Jesus said the following words to him, I am willing be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left that man. Right after, in another occasion, there was a woman who was burying her only son in the, from the town of Nain. And this is in the beginning of Luke chapter 7. And I hope you caught that. She's a widow burying her only son broken down, hurt, and left alone. In a time where a woman really had to depend on a man of the house to provide, she was left alone. She probably didn't even realize that Jesus was walking by her during the procession while they were walking out to bury her son. She was, can you imagine? Loss, I know we've experienced loss, but she's lost her husband and now she's lost her only son. She most likely didn't realize that Jesus was even walking by her because of the pain and brokenness she had in her heart. She didn't look at Jesus the way the man with the leprosy did. But you want to know what the following verse says? Jesus saw her. And he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. Jesus touched the coffin and said, get up. Her son got up, he spoke, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. These are the things that happened, some of the things that happened right before the story that we just read. I want to remind you this morning that even if you have no words to express your hurt or your brokenness, God sees you. And so we find ourselves in the verses that we just read, which take place at the home of Simon the Pharisee, who invited Jesus over to eat. Simon, this Pharisee, lived in Galilee, around the towns of Capernaum and Nain. If you know me, if you sat in one of my uh, small groups, you know I'm going to give you a little history because it just makes it real. Like this really happened, right? This particular sinful woman a lot of times is confused with Mary of Bethany, but it is not Mary of Bethany. A lot of people put the name Mary on her. Maybe her name was Mary. Historically and biblically, we don't know her name. We do not know her name. This happens in Galilee, and Bethany is in Judea, in the southern part. And 
Also, she's also confused with Mary Magdalene of Magda from Luke chapter 8. But we can't associate this story with Mary Magdalene because Mary Magdalene's connection with Jesus was that Jesus casted out seven demons from her. So anytime you read a story about Mary Magdalene, it always says Mary, that Jesus casted seven demons out of her. So we can associate this sinful woman with those other two women. All the scripture tells us is that she's a sinful woman. We don't know who this woman is and what her sins were. Sort of like Paul with the thorn on his side. Nobody knows what his thorn was, right? And this, the same thing with this woman. No one knows who she is and what her many sins were. And I love it because, we can, because it can be a struggle any struggle that we can be, deal with, and we can take this scripture and say, her sins were many, my sins were many, and Jesus has forgiven me. Amen? Now, in this scripture, the scene back in those days, outsiders, people from the outside, would see important people like the Pharisees at dinner. Remember, there was no glass windows back then. It was like a stone uh, wall with a hole and maybe they had maybe a, some type of curtain covering for some type of privacy but there really wasn't any privacy back then pharisees were ne never seen eating or talking with women in public and this type of sinful woman was especially not welcome into the house of, of, of a pharisee like simon this sinful woman was a woman of the streets. Many believed that she was a prostitute, but we, we, we don't know if she was a prostitute or not. All it says, her sins were many. And I want you to keep that in mind that her sins are not named, but they were many. And this woman, somewhere, somehow, on the road where Jesus was walking, had an encounter with Jesus. Perhaps in the crowds that follow him, she heard him say, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest for your soul. And now somehow, some way we find ourselves with this sinful woman that has repented and has a praise and a worship to give, to give for her redeemed and forgiven sins. She, we find her now after the fact. We don't know what it was, what the encounter was, but there was such an impactful and powerful encounter that she did not care what was going around. She knew that she had to give praise to God. She knew she had to do what she did. And this leads me to my first point. You don't know the cost of my praise. I want you to look to the person next to you and say that. You don't know the cost of my praise. You don't know the cost of my praise. 
the sinful, the rejected, the outcast has been saved by amazing grace. Where you thought that you couldn't be saved, you're sitting here today, I'm saved. Jesus redeemed me. I don't deserve it, but Jesus redeemed me. Something happened when she met Jesus. She went against the social norms. She didn't care who was watching or what people would say or what they were already saying. She didn't care. She probably could relate to the Samaritan woman getting water in the well during the hottest hour of the day just so she wouldn't listen to the murmurs that were being said about her, right? It was just this, I don't want to hear it. I know, I know what I'm doing. I just don't want to be around. She probably could relate to the Samaritan woman. But now, all she knows is that she has experienced healing, deliverance, and forgiveness. No one has looked at her the way that Jesus has. She knew she had been set free. What has she been set free from? She's been set free from guilt. She has been set free from that burden of feeling guilty. See, the forgiveness that Jesus gives sets you free from the bondage of guilt. Because you can mess up and have that guilt weighing on you. And Jesus is telling you, hand it over. I've already nailed it to the cross. She's probably said, or you're probably saying, I've done some stuff that I'd rather not talk about. I am ashamed, but I don't feel the weight of the shame and guilt anymore because the weight of sin on my bones have been lifted by the one who can, which is Jesus. Don't worry about what people will say. Don't even worry about what the devil will tell you, that you're not worthy of that forgiveness, that God won't forgive you. Let me tell you something. God already forgave you. Amen? Jesus tells us this morning, take up my yoke and learn from me because it's easier. He walks with me and he walks with you. Where you and I were unwanted and unloved, God wants you and God loves you. It's that simple. That he took on flesh and took on the cross in my place and in your place and conquered death and the grave. I want to share something with you. You see, Jesus met me where I was at a point in my life where I accepted that my sins were too many to be forgiven. Where I accepted what people said. Her family is so broken that she's broken. There's no hope for her. She is a lost cause. These were words that were said to me. She will never come back to church. She's lost to the world. But I got to tell you something. I got to say, oh, but Jesus. Oh, but Jesus. He met me where I was. And today he's speaking to you, meeting you where you are. That tugging that you have been experiencing is Jesus tugging at you. Telling you, I'm here. 
Jesus met me on a day on November 2005. And I knew that I knew that I couldn't live the way that I was living anymore. And I felt God calling me the way he called Samuel. And that night in my room, I opened up my Bible for the first time in a really long time. And I wasn't a Bible person or anything like that, but for some reason, the Bible opened to Psalm 32 that night. And the scripture has some verses that I want to share with you where it says, when I kept silent from my sin, when I kept silent, I tried to hold it and try to fix myself and be, try to be a better person. My bones became brittle from the groaning all day. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained and is, as in the summer's heat. Let me tell you something. If you're feeling God's hand heavy on you, is because he's not going to allow you to sin successfully. He's not going to let you, his daughter, you, his son, go out there and sin well. He's not going to do it. He's going to have his hand heavy on you. Like, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you be successful here. It's scary when God's hand is removed. That's when we're like, wait a minute, I'm not feeling the heaviness of God's hand anymore. And as I kept reading this verse that, and the scripture that night, verse 8 switches from David to God. And God says, I will instruct you and show you the way you should go. And I believe with my whole heart that that night God told me, you've tried it your way. Now it's time to try it my way. And this morning God's telling you, you've tried it your way. It's time to try it my way. Amen? God's way is better. God's way is better. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And like this woman, I needed to pour out my gratitude of praise to the master. And I made my way back to church. And God is so wonderful. God is so beautiful. And God loves every single person. Because the same person who said that I was a lost cause was the very same person that noticed that I reconciled my life to Christ. And God used that person. It was a life lesson for the both of us. And God used that person and prayed with me. That's how God moves. God heals in every aspect and teaches in every aspect. Maybe there's something that is trying to hold your praise back. Maybe you think that there's something that you're doing that's hold, that you're saying, I can't praise God. Let it go. Leave it alone. Praise God because the praise is what's going to help you get through it. Maybe you think you've gone too far on the deep end to be saved. There's only hope in Jesus. And don't let nothing, nothing stop your praise. See, I've, I learned this from the elders. I'm talking about ancianitas, people that back in the days that prayed, people like Pastor Ruth, don't shut up your praise. 
Don't shut up your praise. You praise through it. You seek God through it. And so this woman, and we continue in verse 38, this woman stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. She just needed to pour her life out in gratitude to the master. She poured out a praise like no other. What's the cause of your praise this morning? What's the cause of your praise this morning? Tell the person next to you, you don't know the cause of my praise. You don't know what God saved me from. You don't know the cause of my praise. I can't stay shut. The devil wants you to stay shut. Don't shut up your praise. Don't give the devil that privilege. Don't give him that privilege. You praise God. You can, even if it's hard and you see what's going on, God, I praise you. I know you're going to help me through this. I want to go into the second point. The danger of hidden sin of the heart. See, we can't talk about the woman without talking about the Pharisee. See, her sins were out there, right? Everyone knew she was a sinner. But what about the Pharisee? Simon the Pharisee was a critical, judgmental person. The one that we may have encountered that is holier than thou. But he was curious about Jesus. You know, Jesus, the one that sat with sinners. That Jesus, the one who said to himself, he murmured to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is touching him. She's a sinner. He had been talking to himself, entertaining this thought, but there's something he didn't realize, that his deepest thoughts, beliefs, judgments were an open book to Jesus. You see, you can't have a private conversation with yourself without God knowing about it. God's going to know what you're thinking. And it's all good. God is all-knowing. And this is how good he is, that he still went on the cross for us, knowing that we will still do things, knowing that we will make mistakes, knowing that we will commit sin. Now, the Pharisee had a real problem. And his problem was blindness to his sin. See, it was easy for him to call this woman a sinner. But it was impossible, impossible for him to say, I'm also a sinner. And maybe you're here, and you know what? Maybe that you've done this, we've done this. Oh, we criticize other people, but we don't realize, wait a minute, I have some stuff too. I'm not perfect, and I'm, I'm saved by grace as well. Amen? Jesus begins to have a conversation with Simon the Pharisee in a parable about two debts that are forgiven, proving that Jesus is a prophet. But the parable wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the debt. It was about awareness of that debt, awareness of that sin. Are you aware of your sin? Are you tucking it away? Are you saying, you know what? 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore that because God's not going to see that. No, no, no. We got to be aware and bring it to the feet of Jesus. You see, Simon and the woman were both sinners. Simon was guilty of the sin of pride hidden in his heart. And the woman was guilty of her many sins. Her sins were out there for everyone to see and know, while Simon's sins were hidden from everyone but God. And they both could not pay their debt. They both could not pay their debt of sin. Simon couldn't realize that he was just as spiritually bankrupt as the woman. There was no ritual, no tradition, no coming to church on Sunday at 10 o'clock and sitting here that can redeem us from our sin. Only Jesus can. Amen? Only Jesus can. And as Jesus shares this parable, you may wonder, well, we always see that Jesus is forgiving this woman, but I want you to see something here. Jesus shares this parable with the intention of both the woman and the Pharisee to be saved because the debtors in verse 42 could not pay it back. And what did, the, what did he do? He graciously forgave them both. Forgiveness is for everyone. The word doesn't say that Jesus died on the, on the cross for some. That's what it says? No. It says Jesus died on the cross for all humanity. Jesus opened the door for the Pharisee to for, receive forgiveness of his, of his hidden sin. But the Pharisee chose not to receive that forgiveness. How do we know this? Simply by the way he treated Jesus. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she with her hair washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed them with perfume. There will come a time, and this is rough, this is the harsh truth, the, we don't get the amens, but we get the, oh, I got to get it right, Lord. There will come a time where Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Or he will say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I don't know what side you want to be on, on that side of the, those scriptures. I don't know what side you want to be on or what choices you're deciding to make. But there's a choice. Let me live right for God. Let me live right. How is it that God is calling you to live? How, what is God calling you to come and repent from? Don't turn your back on God and what he did for you. Today is the day to make it right with God. Today is the day. Don't worry about, I'm going to make this mistake again. Don't worry about that. 
Because that's what the loop that the devil wants you in. Just come to God. God, I'm struggling with this, and I need your help. I need your help. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This woman did everything the Pharisee didn't do, and she did it from a repented heart. She did it a heart, from a heart of gratitude. Her tears, her humility, her praise spoke of a changed life, not worrying about what was going around or who was around or what was being said. She had a praise for the master. Your sins have been forgiven. Even before Jesus said to her directly, your sins are forgiven in verse 48. He says in verse 47, her many sins have been forgiven. You've already been forgiven. See, there is nothing you and I can do or can take away from what Jesus already did on the cross. God knew already what was happening, what you did, what you're going to do tomorrow. All that God knows that he still did what he did on the cross. It is done. It is finished. Your sins, my sins have been redeemed by the blood shed on the cross. Colossians 2, 13, 14 says, we were dead in our trespasses and God have forgiven, forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. There's no sin that is not on the cross. There's no sin too dark, too deep of a hole that you're in that is not on the cross. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. The only one that can cleanse us, make us whole, and free us is Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Listen, we're messed up and we need our Savior and our Lord. You see, he's faithful when we confess our sins. He is just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us day by day of our unrighteousness. Day by day. This isn't, I'm going to come and I'm going to accept Jesus and it's going to be great. It's great. Serving Jesus is great, but there are hard moments in life and Jesus is still great. Jesus is still good. Now you may wonder, but what if I sin again? What if I mess up again? This is a simple teaching that the enemy likes to hide and not have you live in this truth. But if anybody happens to fall in sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we happen to mess up, 
we got Jesus. Jesus right there. We got to run to Jesus and repent. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The one who took our place on the cross. That atoning sacrifice. Well, what does that mean, Arlene, atoning? It basically means that Jesus made it right on our behalf between us and the Father. He made it right. And not only for you and me, but for the whole world. That's why Jesus is Jesus, and that's why God is God, because he loves the people that we may not like. Be like, I don't know how I could love you, but I know that God loves you, right? Amen? Jesus, I mean, I'm like, wow, God, you're amazing. He for, he's the forgiver, the redeemer. He takes us in. In him, we have this redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And now that you know this, now that you know that you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, according to his riches, that he so lavishly gives us, that he just, you know, I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take away what doesn't belong in your life. And I'm going to help you grow what belongs. You see, it's already done. It is finished. Therefore, Jesus tells you, her many sins, your many sins, my many sins have been forgiven. That's why that woman loved much. And that's why there's some of you here that love much. And that's why there's others here that want to love much, but you're afraid. What are people going to think? Don't worry about what people are going to think. Praise God. Praise God. Love much. Love unto God much. Love unto people much. That's why we can't hold back our worship. Because the one who has set us free from the bondage of sin is Jesus. And just like Jesus told her, your sins are forgiven he tells you that today. Your sins are forgiven. And just like he told the man with the leprosy, I am willing. And just if you think that he can't see you or he doesn't see you, he sees you just like the widow. He tells the woman, go, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I want to say something to you. There's this good kind of grief that Paul calls godly grief. Because in order to, to live in this forgiveness, in order to receive this forgiveness, there's something that we got to do. We got to repent. And so Paul calls this godly grief. And this godly grief is, I messed up. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I need redemption. And we come to the feet of Jesus and we ask for this forgiveness of our sins. This godly grief produces a repentance in us. We want to repent. We want to say sorry, sorry God that I messed up. That I've been trying to do this on my own. And this repentance 
guess where it leads to? It leads to salvation. That's what Paul says. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. I don't know about you, but I've never regretted my repenting before the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm grateful that I've repented before the Lord because it has led me to the salvation that is found in him. When we do this, when we, when we do this act of repentance, I mean from the heart like this woman did, there's a desire not want to live the way we used to live. There's this desire to live right, not before people, but before God. And that might look different for each and every one of us. There's one thing in life that we will never regret, and that is giving our lives to Jesus. Don't stay stuck in that worldly grief. See, that worldly grief without God and trying to do it on your own and trying to fix it all by yourself, that's heavy. It's heavy. It's depressing. It's, you have anxiety. You're crying at night. You just can't take it anymore. It's too heavy. And it won't lead you to the forgiveness that Jesus gives that sets you free from that bondage. I don't know if you know this song, guys. It's a song from C.C. Winans. It relates to the story. Uh, my husband knows I could sing this full blast in the house. And I just took an excerpt of the song because it just touches my heart. And in the song it says, I can't forget the way life used to be. I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound. And I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I'd found. Until the day when Jesus came to me and healed my soul with the wonders of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven, and that's why I love him so much. And I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from this alabaster box. So don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them with my hair. You see, you weren't there the night Jesus found me. You didn't feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. There is this freedom you and I receive when we repent before Jesus and decide to live a life consistent with repentance. See, I'm not gonna preach here, saved, always saved. That's not what I'm preaching here. We repent and we live a changed life because of what God has done. Because we're not worthy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to live the, the way God wants me to live. You're gonna choose the way God wants you to live. There's a praise that is produced, that it can't be contained. 
a praise that declares his goodness and mercy. He has compassion for you, is willing to make you clean and whole. I don't know about you, but I want God to continue to renew me and make me clean and make me whole. Would you stand up? Would you give God praise? Not because it's just Sunday or because you're here in church, but would you give God praise because he has been good to you? He loved you first. Jesus has forgiven much. Won't you love him back much? You have to praise him for that. You have to praise God because of what he's done for you. He has saved you. He has called you. He wants to save you. He is calling you. He's telling you, stop doing it your way. Take up my yoke because my yoke is easy. I'm going to walk with you. That's what he's saying. I'm going to walk right here side by side. And when you fall, I'm going to be right there to pick you up. That's the God that we serve. God will never shun you. God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. And he will never abandon you. Won't you take up his yoke? Won't you say, Jesus, I'm tired of doing it my way. I've been trying to fix my life. I've been trying to fix things. I've been trying to get perfect for you, but it ain't working. It's just not working. And I'm tired. I want to try it your way. I want to try it your way, Lord. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I'm going to mess up. I want to give my life back to you, Jesus. But I'm afraid. Take my yoke, says the Lord. I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. I'm holding you. You're here hearing these words because I'm letting you know that I am with you. When you feel like all hope is lost, I'm with you. Even when you're doubting, I'm with you. When you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, Jesus is saying, well, I'm the light. And you see it, you're in it. Won't you take up his yoke? Won't you let Jesus walk with you? His burden is light. His way is easier. I don't know who this word is for, but I know that God is talking. I know, I know that I know that God prepared this day for someone. Someone that's been asking, someone that's been questioning, am I still redeemable? Can I still be saved? Is there a spot for me on the cross? Jesus, it's already done. 
is already finished. I died for you. I rose from the grave for you. And I sit at the right hand advocating for you. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. Just walk with me. Just walk with me. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. Don't let no one, nothing, take away this moment from you. You know what God is saving you from. You're good, God. You're good. It's okay. You've done it your way. It's time to try it the good way, the God way. If you need to reconcile your life to Christ, don't worry about who's here. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't let the devil accuse you right now the devil is a liar and we bring him to the light so you can see that he's a liar you are redeemable so if you want to reconcile your life with Christ this altar is open don't let nothing stop you from reconciling your life with Christ If you know that God's calling you to salvation, if you know that God is calling you to salvation, the altar's open. We have pastors here that will pray with you. The altar is open. Don't worry about nothing. This is a you and Jesus moment. This is you and Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Lord, you have saved us. You see, as God, if, if God has touched your heart, come to the altar. We want to pray with you. Receive what your heart is so longing for. We worship you, Jesus. Just like you redeemed this woman, you redeem us this morning. I praise you, Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.